The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Well, we just sang a song that says, God, you're so good, you're so good to me. Uh, but I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your heart or in your life you're asked, where is God? Where is God? Where is God where I really need him? Why is it that God seems so far away? Why is it when I pray, all I get back is a hollow echo? Where is God if he's so good? When I'm going to get some relief of these problems I'm experiencing in my life, how long? How long, Lord? I'm sinking. We're going to look at Psalm 13 today. And I want to read the psalm and see if you can resonate with it. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep a sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him, let those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now this psalm is obviously is a personal, deep psalm of someone who's in distress. And it's the psalm of David. So the outline for today's sermon is going to be the first two verses will be what we'll call David's cry of anguish. Next two verses will be David's prayer for help, and the last verses will be David's song of triumph. You see, after David killed Goliath, he became a national hero. And as a result, King Saul became jealous of his popularity, and over time, Saul grew to hate David. And three times, he tried to kill him, but each time, David got away. So Saul hunted David as a, you would hunt birds on mountains, a partridge on the mountains. We see that in 1 Samuel 26, 20, he says, So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when hunts a partridge on the mountains. So David is saying, who am I that he's just hunting me down? Saul, his enemy, is after him seeking for his life, and God and David's praying to God and saying, help me out of this predicament. He's hunting me down. What's going on? Light my eyes. He's crying. He seems to be no answer, and heavens are silent. You see, many of us don't realize that this, many scholars say, this continued for 7 to 12 years. It's not a day or so. And I can hardly imagine, you know, uh, it's not 7 days, 12 days, 12 weeks, 7 to 12 years He's been running from Saul, and therefore you can easily understand his exhaustion and frustration from all this, and that's why he says, how long? Four times in just the first two verses. How long? Things are overwhelming. Maybe things are overwhelming in your life. You have a sickness, you thought you were getting better, but now it's a relapse, and you're saying, how long? You've been praying to God. I thought I was through this, but now, again... Maybe you have an unruly child and you've been praying for them and the problems 
get worse. Maybe you're looking for a job and throughout this COVID thing you've been unemployed or maybe you've been unemployed for years and you want a job but you just can't get one and you're saying how long? The road, the road is long. Now I have to confess and I think I did it with you before when there are times when I pray and God seems to be real. You could just reach out and touch them. I think I shared with you when I was just under exhaustion and had so many meetings and work and so forth, and I didn't have time to prepare. And I'm saying, God, I need some times. And remember I told you that the meetings on the calendar just went bloop, bloop, bloop. I like those times where God answers your prayers immediately right there, and he gives those. I like those. And nobody can tell me that's a coincidence or anything like that. But there are also times like this song. Our prayers are not always answered that way. And this morning, I think we need to understand how God works in times like this and what God just, what he's up to. And we pray, we have to say sometimes, how long, Lord? How long is this going to go on? But you see, many of us want to go to the promised land without going through the wilderness, right? We just want all sunshine and no rain. Somebody said, well, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. We want God to work on the problem. But what really God is doing is working on that person. And the person he's working on is the person that's actually praying. So the first thing I want to see is look at the David's cry of anguish. David's feeling here. In the first two verses, again, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long would my enemy be exalted over me? You know, sometimes I'm reading a book or watching TV and um, I get so zoned into it. Stella will come over and ask me a question or something and I don't even pay attention. Or like, I don't even hear her. It's just kind of like background noise. And, you know, my wife would say, Stella, he's not even listening to you and throws a pillow at me or something. Don't we feel like sometimes it seems like God is like a father who doesn't really hear us, hear his children? And this is a long, long, I want you guys to understand, this is a deep, personal, persistent problem that he was having, this nagging problem. But one thing we need to realize, God can't be rushed. You can't hurry him up for some reason, right? And I shared a story with you, you know, we're in the world of hurry, hurry, hurry. God says a lot of times, wait, wait, wait. And I shared a story a long time ago with you about a pastor that can't just... Never, nothing ever bothered him. He never seemed to get agitated by any things. And one day I saw him and he was just pacing the floor like a caged lion. I was like, wow, something's bothering him. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, I'm in a hurry and God's not. We can't hurry God up. We can't. Have you noticed the difference between our timetable and God's timetables? Uh, we think of, you know, in terms of minutes, hours, and days, we want relief. God works in terms of years. Many of you know the story of Joseph, right? And many of you know the outcome. What was the end result? God wanted him in a position of influence in Egypt, right? You know, he's going to be king at the end. But, but think about what he wanted him to do, where, what his goal was. His brother sold him in slave. A long time went by. Don't you And you know, when he was in prison, the finally after he's going to get bearer said, I sure will remember you. But he forgot. So look in Genesis 41.1. It says, Then it came dream things. 
gives this Pharaoh two more years, and I'm reading it. God, couldn't you give in to Pharaoh? And if we look at the story of Jesus, why'd you wait two years? And if we look at the story of Joseph, and throughout the book, Utopia, no? Get it? Verses 9 and 10. And it's seal. I saw under the altar, and they cried out of those who dwell on the earth. These are people that suffered, martyrs. How long are you going to wait till you avenge us? About, there's a story about a woman, and Luke, a woman had a spirit of infirmity called to her and said to her, Woman, you're loosened from your infirmity. God, it, God didn't know she had that. Flow of blood for 12 years, but rather reworked. All her things, if you look at John 5, 6, eight years. For a long time. Really, Jesus? You think so? Didn't know he existed for 38 years and just stumbled across upon him? He felt forgotten. God was ignoring him in seriousness. Lord, have you forgotten me? He all having a good time. Time goes by in our lives. It just seems to be dragging on. And one thing, if you're a child of God, I want to tell you with 100% guarantee, do not, whenever you understand it or not, he has them. You've been, you know, asking for, Satan might whisper this, and he does. There is no God. Look at you. You've been praying to him. You've been, you know, asking for, he doesn't seem to listen to you. There's only one. This for I would be merciful to Then he. That's one of them against you. 9, 14 through 16, he says, But Zion says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? Will not for passion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. God has forgotten you just because your prayers are not being answered. Mother may forget her. Because I have inscribed you palms of my hand. Thinking about, you know, sometimes when, when I ask my wife out, I wrote her phone number down in my hand. I know we have cell phones now, but not everybody was cell phone available at the time. I'm pretty old, too. But husbands, you ever write anything on your hands when you go to the grocery shopping? I know we get text messages now. You know, your wife sends you to Costco. Then you get distracted by Cabela's across the street. Like, what did she send me here for? You inscribe it on your hands. You have it right there. You're welcome for the trick, husbands, you know. But even if a mother forgets her child, I want everybody to understand, no matter what's going on in our lives, God has not forgotten you, and God has not forgotten this church. And as a matter of fact, in Psalm 2710, he finally gets it right and says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So he felt forgotten. He also felt forgotten. For, for forsaken, if you look at the second part of the verse 1 and 13, 1, it says, how long would you hide your face from me? Not only God has forgotten where he is, he turned his back on him. He's forsaken him. That's what he feels like. He feels like God is hiding his face from David. Now, what you have to remember, the reason he says that is because the face of God, the face, the face of God represents his God's loving kindness. And he said in Numbers uh, 6, 22, 26, how do you bless a nation of Israel? How do you, it says this in uh, Numbers 6, 22, 26 says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
So what David is experiencing here, he says, I don't feel his face shining towards me. I was reading a story about a husband and a young couple, and they had a baby boy, and she passed away. And the day after the funeral, he, they went to sleep, and the boy usually, his mama tucks him into bed. But this time, the father did. And, you know, and they were just laying there in the darkness. And the kid said, Dad, it's dark in here. He says, yes, it's pretty dark. And he says, is your face towards me? And he said, yes, my face is towards you. And then the baby boy fell asleep. And then this man got up on his knees and said, Father, it's dark in here. Is your face towards me? You guys ever have those moments? I had them. Sometimes you say, how long, Lord, experiencing this difficulty? I feel forgotten. I feel forsaken. I, don't, I know you're there, but I just don't feel your presence. I don't feel your face. And that leads to frustration, doesn't it? Frustration. If you look at Psalm 13.2, he continues, it says, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will you, my enemy be exalted over me? God, I can't get this problem solved. I'm trying to reason it out. I can't handle this problem. And I think we've all been there if we're honest. honest. We get frustrated. But, folks, we'll get to it. But you need to understand, he has not forgotten you. You're not forsaken. And the problem, it will be solved. The problem will be solved. Because God is a sovereign God. And let me give you some verses. If you've been bombarding heaven and saying nothing is happening, well, nothing may be happening that you're seeing. But there's things that are happening. If you look at Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, God does not have any half-built towers. He does not have any unfinished projects. God, if he began a good work in you, God will perform it. God will perform it, whenever you understand it or not, because Romans 8.28 and 29 is still in the Bible. Look at it. It says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, Sometimes that's taken out of context. So for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's God's purpose. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to suffer like Jesus. And Psalm 138.8 says this, the Lord will perfect, perfect that which concerns me. What does that mean? It means God's going to finish what he started. Just on his own timing. You know, a lot of times uh, we don't like the way God does things sometimes, right? We think it's inconvenient. We don't like his timing. We definitely sometimes don't like his methods. And we cry out to God. And folks, when we feel abandoned, we need to understand that God is still there. God is still there. And if you be honest with yourself, when have you grown the most? When have you grown the most spiritually? It's those times when you have deepest problems. 
is those times when you're facing the biggest sorrow. And I like these words, and I repeat them pretty much in every sermon I get uh, that I can. I like these words that says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and never words said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. That's, that's when we grow spiritually. The sorrows cause us to rely on the Lord. And you know, uh, Winston Churchill had a quote and says, Kites rise highest against the wind, not with it. Against the wind. That makes sense, right? All sunshine, no rain, makes a desert. And that's what this psalmist is saying here. In Psalm 4, uh, verse 1, David says this, and I like the King James Version better because it says, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. And the King James Version says relieved. Well, what does enlarge me mean? Strengthen. He gave me strength in my distress. So he's experiencing this anguish. And he turns to God in prayer. Desperately needed Lord's help. And in Psalm 13, verses 3 to 4 says, Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So basically saying, Lord, this thing is killing me. Lest my enemy and I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David realized here that he could not defeat his enemy on his own strength. He can't. He begged God to infuse him with his strength and intervene into the situation. And then it's also what's interesting. He could not bear the thought that his enemies would say the Lord was not able to save him out of this predicament. Now, I'm sure these two verses are only a synopsis of days, weeks, and hours of prayers. We know that he was running from Saul 7 to 12 years. And the, problem, and the problems did what they were supposed to. They drove David to prayer. They drove David to prayer. And sometimes God has to allow severe circumstances in our lives to occur before we truly understand our need of God, our need of Him. And you see, uh, God will do whatever it takes to wake us up sometimes. To bring us to a point of helplessness and desperation. And sometimes, unfortunately, the only way God can get us to look up is to put us on our backs. To send affliction. You see, Jesus did not teach us to ask for provisions weekly, monthly, or annually. Just go and check in. He said in Matthew 6, 11, give us this daily bread. Daily. We should be reaching out to him daily. God wants us to be aware of him at all times and lean upon him for everything that we need. In return, he has given us a glorious promise. Those who seek him with full hearts will find him. In James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In Jeremiah 29, 13, 14, it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So folks, if God seems distant in your life right now, guess who moved? Guess who moved? Jesus' promises, and we had this sermon, ask, seek, and you will find. Knock. 
In Matthew 7, 7, he says that. Folks, understand that Jesus himself, this is Jesus, strengthened his heart through prayer when he was here on the earthly ministry. He prayed several times, we see in the scriptures. He prayed in the garden before his arrest. Remember that? And as we read, uh, Scott read today, his sweat were like blood dripping from, from his forehead. He prayed on the cross. He says, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And the book of Hebrews describes his passionate prayer this way. When Jesus was in the flesh here on earth, in Hebrews 5, 7 through 8 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he what? Suffered. And we need to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Turn to God, put your heart to him. And if you're a Christian, it feels like God has abandoned you or uh, don't believe that Satan lie. There's many Christians that look at the world's happened today. There's no God. How can he allow all this? How can this happen to me? And pray knowing, believing that he knows he cares and he loves you. And there's the words of our old hymn that go like this. When all the things seems against us to drive us to despair, we know one gate is open, one ear will hear our prayer. What is that one ear? Well, in 1 John 5, 14, 15, he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. And in Hebrews 4, 16, it tells you, it, it encourages you to come to God, to the throne. Look at this, it says, Let us therefore come boldly, Come boldly through the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For the true child of God, you have to always have some awareness of this truth, regardless of the circumstances or deep depression even may be in your life. We may be even depressed to, you know, to the point where you just feel abandoned. Well, you know what? I say that's good. Because in order to feel abandoned, itself means you really know that God is there. To be abandoned, you need, to be, you need somebody to be abandoned by. And because we are Christians, we're taught in the Scripture, we will know that God is still there, loves us, and faithful regardless of our feelings. And we face three strong enemies. We know that. The world, the flesh, the devil. And we need to walk in constant recognition that we cannot defeat these enemies on our own strength. Only through the power of God and dwelling spirit in us, we can be victorious. Daily dependence on him is necessary for victory. We need to make every effort to be alert at all times, be on guard. Because that's when Satan strikes, when you least expect it. He wants us to fall. He wants us to stumble. He wants us to get into sin. He wants to ruin our testimony for the Lord. He wants to destroy our faith in the Lord. And folks, you need to understand, every time you fall, the devil and his little devils, demons, they rejoice. They go, look at him. He calls himself a Christian. Look at her. 
Look at him, and he's even a pastor. Like David, we should seek Lord's help so we will not fail and give the enemy the opportunity to mock the Lord. So David's prayer for help leads to David's song of triumph. This prayer that he prayed, and again, this is just a condensed version, led for David to have a proper perspective on things. Started thinking clearly. In Psalm 13, 5 through 6, it says, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So suddenly, unexplainably, David's demeanor here radically changed. He's questioning and pleading and suddenly all transformed to rejoicing. Now, did David's circumstances change? No, they did not. They're the same as they were at the start of the psalm. Feel confused, depressed, forsaken by God. He's still hiding in the caves. Saul was still on the throne trying to kill David. Now, the same man in the first two verses that's whining and complaining is saying, I will sing to the Lord? It doesn't say Saul has died either, right? Or David got some reinforcements. What has changed? David has changed. David has changed. Many of us want God to change things, circumstances, or people around us uh, when we pray, but we're not willing to let God change us. Right? David's focus in the last two verses went from focusing on himself and his problems in the beginning of the psalm, there shifted his thoughts to God's loyal love and salvation. The shift moved from confusion and depression to to, to joys and praise. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When I read those verses, there's three things I want to share with you that I see. And the first is faith. All of a sudden, I see this unshakable faith. It says, but I have trusted in your mercy. David now was trusting taking refuge, hiding, finding shelter in the safety of God's mercy. God, whenever it seems that you're merciful or not, I put my faith in the God of mercy. I'm trusting in your mercy. Then I see this joy. He says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He's referring to first speaking of deliverance from the current crisis. And of course, he's talking about the this, uh, Dabalu speaking God's eternal plan of salvation and forgiveness for our sins and redemption of the, his soul. The great, glorious promise, promise of, to Israel was the coming of the Messiah who would save them from their sins. He's rejoicing. And folks, if you're saved, if you're saved, no matter what your circumstances, and Maybe you say, it's maybe, maybe rude of me to say, doesn't matter what you're suffering through. Doesn't matter what you're experiencing financially, physically, emotionally. Those things count. But if you're saved, you got enough all eternity to praise God. To praise God. 
And in Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which would, shall be revealed in us. That's the joy. This is temporary. I know we're looking around and thinking and, you know, politics are involved and COVID and all these things or countries coming tumbling down. But yes, we should stand up for our Christian beliefs. Yes, but... At the same time, I want you guys to all remember, we're all pilgrims. Though I'm a United States citizen, I'm a citizen of a different land. This is here is temporary. This is temporary. Everything will be gone. So if you read the Bible and you study the Bible, things will only get worse. And I'm not trying to discourage you. Pray. Lift up your prayers to God but also know what God's will is. And that gives you peace. And that only to me what's happening in the world today is just proves to me even more than ever that the word of God is true. The word of God is true. And that's where I find my peace. Do I find peace in everything that's happening? Am I happy about those things? No. But what I am happy about that, in my own eyes I'm seeing Scripture and things in the world are happening according to the scripture. And then I see this faith, joy, and then I see praise. Look at verse 13, verse 6. It says, I will sing to the Lord because he dealt bountifully with me. So David's sorrow and pleading now been replaced by a song. He's saying, I'm going to sing. I was going to sing a song for you guys too, but I was strongly advised not to. And like many of us, you know, we fix our eyes and our thoughts on the problems, and they cause us to think, where is God? God forgotten about us. And we're dealing with God carelessly. We, we start seeking advice from somewhere else instead of waiting on the Lord. But his perspective changed. And when he caught the true glimpse of the Lord, he started focusing on the problems. And he saw the blessings of God in his life. He counted his blessing. And he started praising God. I will sing to the Lord, he says. Here's a man went from, Lord, I'm going to die out here. I'm dying, depressed. My problems are overwhelming me. Then he gets to thinking about it. And the blessings that God has given him. He says, you know what, Lord? You're all right. You've done so and so. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. And again, I say, I don't care how big your problem is. God, you have to say, God, you dealt with me bountifully. And reflect on your life. Have you ever thought about the, how God does something? Have you thought how God does things? He just does them bountifully. That was a new word for me. And I, you know, English is my second language. And, I mean, he doesn't just give us life. He gives us eternal life. He doesn't just give us peace. He gives us perfect peace. He doesn't give us victory. He makes us more than conquerors. That's what the Word of God says. So why shouldn't we praise him? You know, there's a song, and I don't know if you guys know, but his name is Chris Christopherson. And he has a song called, Why Me, Lord? Why me, Lord? But it's not the whiny, 
Why me, Lord? These things, why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the blessings I know? What did I ever do to deserve love from you or the kindness you've shown? Think about that. That changes the perspective on our why me, Lord, right? Then when you see that, you're like, well, why not? Look at all the things that God has done in my life. And then when you learn to understand that, you replace the question with how long, O oh Lord. You will understand that God is sovereign. Nothing in your life happens, just coincidence. God gave it to you. It means you can handle it. He's working on you. You might not know what it is yet. But we need to also realize that our time is in God's hands. You see, and that's what he realizes. Psalm 31, 15 says, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. He, relying on the Lord, leads to rejoicing in his salvation. And that focuses on goodness of God, his generosity in dealing with his people in grace. David's circumstances haven't changed, but the Lord has changed him. David stopped looking at his feelings and his enemies and by faith started looking to the Lord. That's what we need to do. Those sorrows, just trust in God. What's happening? Yeah, you got issues, you got things. Your faith is growing. You're growing in your faith. You're having stronger faith. And you're frustrated in your despair. Don't thank God. Don't question God. Don't think he doesn't exist. Don't think he's forgotten you, forsaken you. He has his own time in. And if you're in despair or you're facing that situation, you should do exactly what David did. He went his, vented his feelings to the Lord in the first two verses. He said, I'm helpless. You ever feel helplessness in your heart? That's good. Because then you're relying on God, right? Then express your needs to the Lord. Say, I'm helpless. Express the needs. Ask him for the light. He said, enlighten my eyes. And God, what are you doing through this crisis in me? Help me understand. Ask him for strength. For godly fear. For his presence. And then you will receive a song of praise. You know, in Acts 16, 23, 25, everybody knows this story of Paul and Silas, right? They were in jail. They were beaten. They were handcuffed. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. The world is watching you guys. How are you dealing with the frustrations in the world. Are we going to Facebook and acting like the world? Oh, Biden's so bad. Oh, Trump said this. Who are you relying on salvation? Who are you? Are you seeking your relief from governments, authorities? All those things have places. But who is your king? What kingdom do you belong to? 
And I want you guys to understand too, psalms like this are not just for everybody. They're for the redeemed. They're for the redeemed. Those who can rejoice in God's salvation. And if you're not saved, none of these promises that we talked about relate to you, unfortunately. So if you're not saved, you need to be saved. And you can be saved today if you understand Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Christ took your sins upon himself. He carried those sins, and with his blood he paid yours for your sin. He made atonement for your sin, and he paid your sin debt with his blood. And Jesus has shown to be the Son of God able to save by the fact that God raised him from the dead. When you understand that, and you accept that by faith, you don't have to understand the whole Bible. Trust me, I still don't. But by faith, you accept it. You will be saved, I guarantee it. Is your life going to be a worry-free life? No, you probably will get more problems because now you're going against the grain. You're going against the world. And you need to understand that today. So that's the most important question you can have in your life. Is Lord Jesus Christ your Savior? Is he really? Have you relied on him? Are you able to sing praises to him in your circumstances, in your sufferings? Let us pray. Lord God, I've preached to my own heart this morning, and teach me in a greater way the truth that this beautiful psalm holds. And Lord, I pray for those who have burdens that are so great they seem to be crushed beneath the load, Lord, that they might refocus on you and throw themselves in your arms this morning and rejoice and sing your praises and rejoice in your salvation. And Father, as we leave this place today, I ask that you be with us all. And I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us wherever we go. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.